It's been a while since I've been as excited about presenting and sharing a message as I am this morning. I'm really excited about this. Maybe it's all the cake. Uh, Maybe it's all the anticipation for today. Someone said, what's so significant about a 14th anniversary? Well, here's the significance of it. It is 14 years of celebrating the goodness and the greatness of God. It is 14 years of seeing God bring people from darkness into light. It is 14 years of seeing people roll up their sleeves and get into our community and begin to serve in Jesus' name. It's 14 years of seeing adults and children come to know Jesus, baptized, and begin to follow Him. It's 14 years, 14 years of life transformation, of family transformation, story after story after story after story of change not caused because of great preaching or great singing or a nice building. It's 14 years of life transformation caused by one thing and one thing only, and that is the grace of God. When we put the cornerstone on this building in 2007, it simply says, by the grace of God. And truly, that's all it is, because I have nothing else to boast in other than the grace of God. My salvation was unearned, undeserved, and yet God gave it to me anyway. He took my sin and replaced my sin with His righteousness so that I can now stand in His presence. And I tell you what, if that's not reason to celebrate, then we might as well just go home. And so 14 years, no, it's not any kind of special number. It's a nice round number. It's not any kind of special number. It's just that as I reflect on all that God has done, I am so excited, and I'm excited about what He is yet to do if He gives us years in the future. And so uh, we began today. Now, we're in this series of messages called How Sweet the Sound, and we're looking at various songs. that We didn't go and say, okay, let's find the top ten or anything. We looked at songs that actually spoke to us and had a message behind them. They weren't just, you know, didn't just have a good beat and you could dance to it. It actually had, it had meaning, it had depth, it had richness. And today we're going to look at one other song, and we're also going to look at a scripture that goes right along with it, and it's pretty cool. The, the, this song was written by a guy named Carl Boberg, okay? He was in the Swedish parliament, and so uh, this was a good while back. There, that's a picture of him right there. And he wrote the song that we just sang, How Great Thou Art. And let me just share with you in his words what he said about composing this song. He says it was in 1885, and in the time of year when everything seemed to be in the richest coloring. The birds were singing in the trees and wherever they could could find a perch. On a particular afternoon, he said, some friends and I had been to Kronobach, where we had participated in an afternoon service. As we were returning, a thunderstorm began to appear on the horizon. We hurried to shelter. There were loud claps of thunder and the lightning flashed across the sky. Strong winds swept over the meadows and billowing grain fields. However, the storm was soon over and the clear, and clear sky appeared with a beautiful rainbow. After reaching my home, I opened my window toward the sea. The church bells were playing the tune of a hymn. 
And that same evening, I wrote a poem which I entitled, O Store Good. Okay, that doesn't help much of us. But remember, he was Swedish, so he's going to give it a funny name. Now, that's where it began. But it took a circuitous route to get to us. So here's what happened. Um, His poem was set to a Swedish folk tune. Then in 1907, it was translated into German. And five years later, it was translated into Russian. In the early 1920s, a missionary couple from England went to Poland, and they heard the song in Russian. And then that, that missionary wrote the original English lyrics. He made his own arrangement of the Swedish melody, and that's how we got the tune that we sang this morning, How Great Thou Art. And so we're going to ask God to help us to understand His greatness And so would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for that hymn that we had the privilege of singing a few moments ago. And we pray that you continue to speak to us this morning through your word. We thank you that you did not leave us without a witness, that you did not leave us without truth, but you continue to speak it into our lives and you continue to speak through your word. So Lord, speak to us today. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a boy, my parents taught me a prayer to say when we're about to, about to have eat, you know, over the meals, breakfast, lunch, supper. Uh, some of you do this. It was a little different when my kids were growing up. They actually had a, a, a little song that they sang. But the, the prayer I prayed, perhaps some of you were taught the same prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Okay, so some of you remember that. Now, it was just a simple rhyming, sing-song kind of prayer, right? Well, yes, but as I got older, I began to recognize, you know what, there's some deep theology in that little prayer. That little prayer declares the greatness of God. That little prayer declares the goodness of God, and that little prayer declares my dependence upon him every day now here's the deal if we didn't get anything else out of today that would be some good stuff for us God's greatness God's goodness and our complete dependence upon him each and every day so if you take a nap at least you've got that okay at least you've got that today we're we're excited as we continue to think about God's goodness, think about God's greatness, think about our dependence upon Him. Because i got to tell you, the only way that we're going to see God work in our lives, changing us, changing our community, changing our church, the only way we're going to see it is if we're dependent upon Him. If we ever feel like we've got it all figured out, we've got it systematized, we've got it programmed, we don't need it, we just kind of keep trucking along the same way we've done things all, all before, If we continue to do that and think we've got the system, then we're going to miss what God has in store for us. Sometimes it's when we get to the end of our plans that God can actually show us what he's got planned. And so I'm excited about what God's going to do in the years to come. This morning, I want us to look at Psalm 145. It's It's a lengthy psalm, and as you're turning there, Psalm 145, we're going to look at the entire thing. I will put it on the screen if you need it, but... 
Um, let me give you a little background on this because it's helpful to know this. Psalm 145, is, uh, it has a, a title that came with it, and that is a praise of David. That's the title of this particular psalm. It was a psalm of King David. In fact, it is the last psalm that King David has. It's recorded in the book of Psalms, and so that's significant. But it's also significant in another way. It's significant because according to Jewish practice, it was a psalm that was recited twice in the morning service and recited once in the evening service. And so this particular psalm was significant to the Jewish people, and I think it could be significant to us. So, so let's, let's hear what God has to say to us in Psalm 145. He says, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I shall declare your greatness. And they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord, and that all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. It might do us well to follow the pattern of ancient Judaism three times a day to read that psalm, to recite that psalm, to think about those words that were given to us, those words that are strong and impactful for us. It reminds us both of who God is and what God has done. And so we want to spend a few minutes this morning looking at this psalm and letting this psalm speak to us. And so the first thing I want us to notice about this psalm that David wrote has to do with praise and that is praise is a decision we make. Praise is a decision 
we make. What do I mean by that? Look at the first two verses again. It says, I will, and I've underlined this, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. Now, the New American Standard uses this and adds a little extra emphasis to it, but I think it's important for us to get it because they're trying to get to the, the root of what's being said here. And notice that the, the, it is added, I will, for the emphasis of it. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Now listen, folks, this is determined deliberate praise. Is that what you woke up this morning? Uh, you know, as you, you got up, here it is Sunday morning. Did you wake up say, hey, listen, Lord, I will praise you today. Because I, I, I may not feel like it. How many of you woke up with aches and pains this morning? Anybody? Okay, some of you. I can raise my hand on that. How many? I had to have a little heat pack this morning. Uh, how many of you woke up and you had some thought that went across your mind that gave you some anxiety or worry? Anybody? Okay, a few of you are willing to admit that. Okay, sometimes, sometimes we have, to, we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice to praise. Otherwise, we're going to give in to whatever the feeling du jour is, whatever the feeling of the day is. And it's easy to give into that and to go along with that and let it sweep us away. There are people who got up this morning and because of things going on in life, maybe it's anxieties, maybe it's worry, maybe it's a new ache or pain they've never had before, but they woke up and they said, you know what, I just don't feel like going to worship this morning. I just don't feel like it. That is not the attitude we see in King David. David says, I'm going to do this. Now, don't think that this is a Sunday-only kind of thing. We need to make this decision every day. Because every day there are things that want to distract us, things that want to dissuade us, things that want to derail us, and we have to make a decision every day. You know what? God is worthy of my praise. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what day it is. My circumstances are... Actually, they're irrelevant I will praise because God is worthy of praise. If you can't meditate on all of Psalm 145, just look at those two verses. Let those verses soak in. Marinate in those verses a little bit. Let those verses speak to you. I will. I'm making a decision, God, that I am going to praise you. Some of the words that David uses are are interesting. Uh, If you go through the psalm, these are the words when he talks about how he's going to praise God. Let me just give you a list of these words. Here they are on the screen for you. It says, I will extol, I'll bless, I'll praise, I'll declare, I'll pour forth, I'll sing aloud, I'll give thanks, I'll speak, I'll tell, I'll make known. In other words, hey, God is great, God is good, is great for kids, and it's probably a pretty good starting place for all of us. But as we mature in the faith, as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we begin to understand more and more of what God is up to and more and more about who He is, our praise 
ought to become just like a garden full of flowers. Now, this is not my yard, okay? Uh, my yard, it's not like that. I, I, I need to go... I need to go see Bob and Aunt Linda Weaver if I want to see a yard blossoming with flowers. But, but that's what it is. Our praise becomes more and more. It, it begins to flow out of us. It might start like a little trickle, right? Just a little, little spurts. But as we grow, as we get to know more of who God is and more of what God has done, our praise begins to, to flow like a, like a fountain. It just continues to, to multiply, continues to flow. Now, some of you are going, man, that sounds really good. How do I get there? That's not where I am now. For me, praise is tough. For me, worship is difficult. How do I get to a point where it's more than just a slow trickle, but it becomes a gushing flood of praise to God. The good news is David helps us with this. And so let's look at this next truth here we have, and that is that praise is enhanced as we stop to meditate on the person and the work of the Lord. As we meditate on who God is, and what He does, it enhances, it increases, it multiplies our praise. Consider verses 3 and 5. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Oh, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. My, uh, one of my grandfathers uh, lived in a pretty old house. Um, he had, uh, this was back, my, my grandfather, my grandmother, they lived out on a farm. He was a sharecropping farmer. He didn't have a lot of money. I mean, he was just, he was just making ends meet, just getting by, living on land and working the land, but someone else was benefiting more than he was in his work on the land, and they lived in a house that was provided there as part of what he got uh, as far as his compensation. And uh, so I remember, I grew up with, with hog killings. Some of you remember that. You know, you had to wait first cold day where you could kill hogs. Uh, I, we had a smokehouse, you know, the, the, where they smoked the meats. Um, we had my grandmother, it, it was always a delight to go because my grandmother, she'd make homemade biscuits. There would be cream that came from the cow and she would melt chocolate, and she'd mix the chocolate and cream, and we'd get those hot biscuits and be able to dip those in chocolate and cream and eat that. Now, that was good eating. Now, when she moved into town, it changed a little bit. Um, instead of, of that, we, we had Cool Whip and Hershey's chocolate syrup and what my granddaddy called whop biscuits. Whop was the sound you made when you hit that can of biscuits on the side to pop them open. Okay? I think he got that from Jerry Clower. But, but on, the, on the farm, they still had a pump. They still pumped water. And I would see my grandmother go to the pump and have to prime the pump. Now, if you 
if, if, if you're a little, little bit younger than I am, you probably have no clue what priming the pump means. But priming the pump means you literally have to have water that you've saved that you pour back into the pump in order to get the pump going to produce more water. That's priming the pump. And sometimes what we need in order to help us to worship, we need to be able to prime the pump. How do we prime the pump? We prime the pump the same way David did, by meditating on who God is and what God has done. As we pour that truth into our lives, it begins to lubricate our lives so that the praise can more freely pour out. So I want you to think about the song we sang a few minutes ago, How Great Thou Art, because this hit me this week. I had never seen it before. And this is what got me so excited because I've been singing this song and I have missed it. And so we're going to go through the verses. It says this, they're up on the screen. It might be a little small for you to read. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. In other words, what the writer here, what, what Carl Boberg is saying here is that I, when I stop and look at creation, when I see the waves crashing on the shore, when I see the colors painted in the sunset, when I see those thunder clouds building and when that rainstorm and the wind comes through when i stop and think that there was a god who created all of that then sings my soul and it goes on he goes and when i think that god his son not sparing sent him to die i scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sins. Then sings my soul. Do you get what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, when I stop and think about the cross, when I think that God's love is so great for me that he sent his son to die on a cross for my sins, to take my sins away and to give me his righteousness. When I stop, and I began to meditate on that truth, then, then sings my soul. But he's not finished. He wrote a third verse, and it says this, When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and lead me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, My God, how great thou art. And then what? Then sings my soul. When I stop and I think that I have a God who not only saved me, but a God who promised to come back and get me and take me to where he is. When I think that there's coming a time when the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, when there will be a trumpet sound from heaven, and that the dead in Christ are going to raise up, and those old bodies are going to be replaced with new perfect bodies and be united there in the air with Jesus. When I stop and I think about that, I have an expectancy. I am on tiptoes waiting for what is to come. Then sings my soul. Do you understand what he's trying to say here? If we don't stop, if we don't pause, 
if we don't rest, if we don't meditate, our soul may never sing. Listen, we're busy people, right? There are people who aren't here this morning simply because they are too busy. There are people who don't open their Bibles up and, and read out of it to themselves and to their kids because they're too busy. They're running here, there, and yonder, and their kids are involved in every sport under the sun. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's Netflix. You know, you can... There, it happens. You sit there and you start watching one show, and if you're on the Netflix thing, you can go to the next one, and you can go to the next one. You could watch an entire season in a weekend. Or HGTV. I, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but, you know, man, those shows just roll one into the next, and before you know it, your entire evening is gone. But let me pick on the guys. There's sports. I mean, listen, I've never played soccer a day in my life. And yet, I'm not only watching the World Cup, the Atlanta United were on last night, and I watched that. And it was exciting. Listen, it was exciting. All that stuff's exciting. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. We should have our kids involved in stuff. And, and we should. There's time for entertainment and time just to stop and, and veg out a little bit. There's time to pull for our sports teams. But is there time to stop and meditate and think about who God is and all that God is doing? That God is great and that God is good and that God is providing for me each and every day. If we don't stop and pray, if we don't stop and meditate and think and, and contemplate that, then where, how's our pump going to be primed? Where's that praise going to come from? Well, listen, there, there's a little more here I want to I share with you that we get from Psalm 145. Praise is also intended to be passed from one generation to another. Praise is intended not just for us, but it's intended to be passed on. Look at verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And so let me pick on you parents and grandparents a little bit. Okay? Where are our kids going to get it if they don't get it from us? You cannot expect to drop them off for an hour or two a week. No matter how good the church is, no matter how good the youth program is, no matter how good the children's program is, you cannot expect to drop your kids off, farm them out to the church and say, okay, the spiritual education belongs to the church. That is not the way it works. You, parents and grandparents, you are primarily responsible for the spiritual edu education, for the spiritual well-being, and for the discipleship of your children and grandchildren. And we are here to help. We're here to come alongside. We're here to pray. We're here to teach. We're here to do a lot to help. But don't just say, you know what, that's, that's, a, job for the, that's a job for the church. No, it's your job. Praise needs to pass from one generation to another. And the way it does is by us 
telling of the goodness and the greatness of God. Yes, yes, you need to be bringing them to, to, to small groups for kids and bringing them to the worship service. Yes, you need to be doing all that, but there's so much more. Do your kids ever hear you talk about the goodness and the greatness of God in your life? Have you ever shared with your kids how you came to know Jesus Christ? Have you ever talked to your kids or your grandkids about the times that God has pulled you out of the ditch? You know, taking you out of the muck and mire and set your feet up on a rock. Do your kids, do your grandkids see you open your Bible and read it at all? Do they see you praying for them? Do they hear those prayers? Do you kneel by the bedside and pray with them? In so many ways, our worship is more caught than taught. What they see makes what we say either genuine or imitation. Our praise is to be passed from one generation to another, but for that to happen, you can't just leave it to what happens here on a Sunday. Take it home. Make it real. Your faith, your worship, your praise needs to be mobile. You know, we live almost in a, almost a wireless society now, right? Where everything is mobile. You, you've got a mobile phone. You can, you can, there are people, you know, you can do email. You can do internet searches. You know, all people work from home now. They don't have to go into the office. Everything is mobile. Our faith needs to be mobile. It needs to be with us wherever we are. Hey, listen, I got to tell you, uh, my phone's over there right now, so there's some distance. But there's some of you that are never more than two feet away from your cell phone. We won't have a time of confession, but you know who you are. It is always by your side. And we think people who don't do that are somehow abnormal. You remember Jim Painter? Has anybody ever tried to call Jim Painter on his cell phone? It ain't going to work. He has it nowhere near him, okay? But we've got that thing, and it's always there. Do we cling that tightly to our relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we cling that tightly to our praise and our worship of him? Do we cling that tightly to the greatest truth that has ever been? the truth of the gospel. We need to be able to take what we have and give it to another generation like one candle lighting another candle, lighting another candle, lighting another candle as we share the light that we found with others. Listen, there's so much more to this. I'm going to have to jump to the end. The last thing I want to tell you about this Psalm 145 is this. Praise is eternal. Praise is eternal. Verse 21, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. We have the privilege of practicing here what we will do forever. And that is praising the Lord. That never ceases in heaven. God never tires of it. And those who are around him never tire of offering it to him. Now listen. I am not saying that when we get to heaven, all we're going to do all day is hang around the throne forever. Just hang around the throne and sing Chris Tomlin songs. That is not, that's not what I'm saying. 
I believe, and I think Scripture backs it up, that we will have things to do. We will have assignments. We will have work to do. But it will not be that mundane, wearying kind of work that we do here on the earth. It will be something that everything that we do, every thought that we think, all of it will be done in praise and adoration of the Lord. Everything will be worshipped. Everything will be worship. And what David would encourage us to do today, and what I encourage you to do today, is to begin now. Begin to think about every day being worshipped. Every word being worshipped. Every act being worshipped. Which means... You can worship Jesus by washing dishes. You can worship Jesus. You don't have, it's not just going on the mission field. It's not just coming in and singing those songs. You can worship Jesus at the place you work. You can worship Jesus when you go to school. You can worship Jesus in your social groups. You can worship Jesus on the golf course. You can do it anywhere as long as your attitude is, whatever I'm doing today, I'm doing it for the glory of God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, you are just beginning your journey of worship. Some thought you had almost arrived. No, you're just beginning that journey. Our days here on this earth, if we live a long time, we may make it to 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years old. Maybe we'll hit triple digits But that's just beginning our journey of worship. There's going to be a day where we see the Lord face to face, where our off-key voices won't be a big deal to us anymore. We will be completely unfettered, completely released, completely free to worship with all our being. There's a day that's coming. Believers in Jesus Christ, let's start practicing that now. If you're not a believer in Jesus, if you're not there, there's good news for you. God didn't just, you know, he's not just pushing you aside and saying, hey, get out of my face. No, God invites you to him. And the way he did that was pretty astounding. He looked at your life and he realized, you know what? He doesn't have it all together. He looked at your life and he realized, you know what? She's messed up a lot. In other words, he looked at us and he recognizes that we are still sinners. But he didn't just wash his hands of him. Instead, he acted. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we might have life with him forever. And if you've never received that, there's good news. Jesus is waiting right now, to meet you, to save you, and to give you a new life. And if you need that, in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And I just want to ask you to get up wherever you are and just come and say, you know what, today, today, I'm ready to meet Jesus. If you need a church home, a place to belong, we invite you to come experience what it is to be part of this church family. And if you just need to come and pray today, Maybe there's something that was said or scripture that was read or a song that was sung and you recognize, you know what? 
there's something missing in my life. I've just been too busy for God. And I just want to come today and confess it to him and begin anew. If God's calling you to move, then don't stay where you are. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for speaking to us through your word. And it's always powerful. It's always, it comes with full effect. And Lord, I pray that as you've spoken today, that we're ready to respond, whatever that response might be. So we thank you, Lord, for speaking. And I pray for those who are struggling right this moment with a decision. Father, that you would give them clarity, that your Holy Spirit would guide them, and they would be ready to change now. To be the man, to be the woman, to be the teen, to be the child that you are calling them to be, and to do exactly what you're calling them to do. Lord, if there are those who need Jesus, let them come. There are those who need a church home, let them come. If there are those who need a fresh start, let them come. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our final song and you respond?